we want to welcome you to the newest episode of Unveiling the Scriptures podcast. I forgot the name for a second there. I don't even know what I was about to say. It just my mind went blank. But you we are know. you are getting older, right? Well, I'm telling you, we're yeah that yeah. that birthday is right around the corner. Yeah, Monday. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we are continuing our discussion through the Book of Revelation. Um, we did take quite a big break in between uh, the ending of chapter eight and then going into chapter nine, and and we discussed uh, chapter nine in our last um, in our last podcast, and. What we found as we walked through chapter 9 is we got through the the sixth angel, right, blowing the trumpet. And so now we're getting geared up and, and we're ready for this seventh angel, except things kind of slow down a little bit right. for the seventh trumpet. And it's always, it seems like between the sixth and seventh seal, there was a break. Between the sixth and seventh trumpet, there's a break. There's actually a pretty big break. We really don't see the judgment part of the seventh trumpet till about chapter 15. Uh, but there are some talks about it that we'll get to. We are introduced in these next uh, four or five chapters. We're introduced to the Antichrist. We're introduced to the false prophet. And uh, some some really interesting uh Things are coming up in these next few uh, chapters. We, we're interested to the two witnesses. We're brought back and uh, being informed about the 144,000. So some some wonderful things going on and terrible things going on. And, and God's in the middle of it and Satan's trying to... Uh, uh, overthrow it and do have his way. But in chapter 10, uh, as we will get into that in just a moment, uh, we're going to look at the angel and the little scroll. And we'll talk about what that means in just a minute. Uh, but I'm excited about this because this is a powerful book, Jared. It really is. It, it is somewhat, not somewhat, it's complicated. And, and there are different interpretations. And what we're trying to do, I think, is give you an overview of what we believe this chapter is, or th this book is saying to us. Because it says in verse 3 of chapter 1, I believe, that, that if you study and read this book, you will be blessed. And, and what I think that means is we'll understand the heart of God in a greater way. We'll understand the mind of God in, the greater, in a greater way. We'll be able to see with clearer eyes the, um, the end times and the second coming of Christ, that coming to the earth where he sets up his millennial kingdom. So some exciting things are ahead. Uh, we're almost halfway because it's 22, there's 22 chapters and we're almost to chapter 11. 11, which would be halfway. So, and we're beginning this brand new season, as we've talked about, of unveiling the scriptures. So, um, I think we ought to pray and then jump right into it. What do you think? Sounds good. You want me to pray or you want yeah, to pray? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this incredible book. Uh, Father, you don't do anything by accident, and you intentionally wrote this book to illuminate us, to enlighten our minds and our hearts and our lives to what you're going to do. And in these passages, we will see that Satan will do everything in his power to, uh, to disrupt, to derail all that you have set forth. And we will see uh, not only judgment, and judgment will be clear and will be uh, precise, but we will also see grace. 
the incredible, wonderful, miraculous grace of Christ uh, presented over and over and over again. So, Father, as we embark upon this study, give us wisdom, give us understanding, give us discernment. Help Jared and I to discuss uh, these truths so that people can follow you with a greater uh, passion, with a greater love for your word and for Jesus Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I guess we'll get started here with verse 1. You want me to go ahead and read it? Yeah, go ahead. It says, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud, with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Now, we see a very, very descriptive angel, you know, descriptive, uh, very, uh, <laughs> I, I'm getting tongue-tied. Uh, we see a very, uh, we have an angel that's being described in, in some miraculous and powerful ways. Um you know, things like uh, he's coming, he come, he's wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head and his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. Um, and there's a lot of people, Jared, that believe that this was Jesus Christ. And, and, that, and with pretty good reason, sure. right? So when we see this description here, there's a lot of things that we can tie back to Scripture that are used to describe Jesus. Mm-hmm. However, yeah, well, the, re the, the main reason I believe it's not Christ is because we know that uh, when Jesus comes back, he will come to this earth. The second coming of Christ really isn't the rapture of the church. That's when we're caught up in the clouds and we are raptured from, from uh, this planet and we're taken home to heaven to be with the Lord. Uh, but he comes back to the earth to set up his kingdom, his thousand-year reign, and then a new heaven and a new earth. Um, but if if that's Jesus, he's coming a little premature. Right, like he, he shouldn't be back yet. Right, 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 not yet. And and although this— not, like, like he says, oh, I forgot something, hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Or, the, or if that's true, then then later it'd be the third coming of Christ, because right. he would be here on this earth. Uh, but I do, and I think sometimes, uh, and and I think it would it would be interesting to do a study in in angels. Uh, they're created beings, very powerful beings. We know that Satan, before he fell, was an angel. In fact, third in charge. Uh, we we know that angels are very powerful. Uh, but they're messengers of God. And um, in this situation, we see this description of an angel as, you know, as, again, earlier, as I said, you know, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face was like the sun, his legs like pillar of fire. And, and here's what he says. And his, um, let me re put my glasses back on. Um, and, and he had a little scroll uh, in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. I think that basically says that he's, this angel is, is speaking to the earth, mm -hmm. the land and the sea. And that little scroll, I think, is, is the same 
scroll that's talked about in Revelation 5. You remember the scroll where nobody can uh, open it? Mm -hmm. and, and we've already seen the seven seals basically unsealed, and now we're into the trumpets. But I believe that this is that scroll uh, that he has in his hand, and some very interesting things happen with it. Uh, but I believe it's an angel. And uh, and it gets into some more. You have anything? Else well, I on think that? we can assume that based on the description that that it is um, an angel that has been given authority by God, right? So so we know that there's all different types of angels. When we read through um, the Old Testament, we read about you know Michael, and we read about Gabriel, and we read about these these specific angels. Archangels, right, so, yeah, yeah I mean. and so we can assume based on the picture that Jesus is giving us that this angel again comes with some authority, comes with some power that has been given to him by God. And I agree. I don't. I don't see any reason to believe that it is Jesus. However, I think we can believe that it is again. It is. It is somebody of of importance, and that God has sent specifically. It's not a matter of I'm just going to send an angel pick one out of the crowd and say, go do this. God is incredibly intentional yes, in, in everything yes. that he does. And so this, this angel was sent on purpose for this purpose, specifically to, well, to bring forth what we're about to read. And, and when I was reading and looking over this too, um, I think it's interesting that it was a little scroll mm. and that when we look at, when you look at the Greek, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that it's two different words when you look at this and then the scroll that was mm -hmm. open. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't lead me to believe that it's anything. It's almost like I think I think the best way I could describe it is it's almost like the Reader's Digest version of the scroll that was presented in the beginning. Well, and some translations don't they don't use the term scroll. They use the term book, book. like it was a book. Um, and, and, uh, but we know that, and, and here's some of the, the arguments for it being Christ, because he was the one who could only, he was mm -hmm. the only one that could open it and he had it in his hand. And, you know, uh, he says it's a little scroll in his hand and he, and, and he is over the sea and the land. We believe that that first scroll was, was like the title deed to the earth and that, and that it was basically saying, uh, this earth belongs to Satan ever since the fall of man and sin, you know, entered into the world. Not only did man uh, fall from God, fall from grace, if you please, then, <clears throat> and uh, the earth, I believe, became uh, the domain of Satan. And that I, he's the scripture says he's the prince of the power of the air uh, and, and that he rules over this world. And, and what's happening here, what's happening through the entire book of Revelation, especially from chapter 5 on, is there's this, um, this, this title deed to the earth given back to Christ. And one day when he comes to the earth, he's going to um, set up his kingdom again. And this is all of the different happenings, all of the different things that are going on that will set up his second coming. And again, we're going to see horrible judgments, but we're going to also see a pockets of God's grace throughout this book over and over and over again. You know, when we get to chapter 11 and we talk about the two witnesses, you know, and we're going to later talk about, again, the 144,000, uh, those were uh, called out 
preordained um, um, people that God is going to use to bring in his kingdom. So, and so, and, and as we continue to read, I, th- I think it's, it's going to kind of unveil more of that, why you believe. And, and I agree with you that this, this little, <clears throat> excuse me, that this little scroll mm-hmm. is in essence and in message that original scroll. Like mm-hmm. we'll see that as we start to read uh, some more. Yeah. You want to read next? Uh, sure. Start with see. verse. Um, Where are we at? I think we're on verse three. Okay. Uh, you might want to do two again because. Oh yeah, I see. Okay. So uh, starting verse two, he had a little scroll open in his <clears throat> in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on land. Again, like you said, that's showing that that power, that command, and called out with a loud voice, like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded, and when the seven thunders sounded. I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> now, I think what, I'm, uh, what I thought about doing um, is telling everybody what, you know, what the seven thunders said, what it really said. Problem is, I don't know. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'd tell you if I knew, but I don't know. And for some reason... God says, I'm not ready to reveal this yet. I'm not ready to bring it out. Uh, obviously, because it, it says that John's getting ready to write all this down. Now, he's interacting pretty closely with John in this chapter, and he's getting ready to write. You know, he's he's seeing all kinds of wonderful sights. He's seeing all kinds of amazing things, judgments, and he's writing this down, and he's getting ready to write some more stuff down, but God says, nope, don't do it. Don't do it. And uh, and the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven, uh, what it, what is in it, the earth, and what is in it, and the sea, and what is in it, that there would be no more delay, but that the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God will be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Any thoughts on that? So, so we have this angel saying, and to me that blows my mind, just backing up to the, the John's taking, he's recording everything that's taking place. And the angel says, <sighs> but not this. And I, you know, of course we can, we can sit back and we can talk about, well, I wonder if it was, it's almost like when you, when you read the story in John eight of the woman caught in the act of adultery and Jesus doodles in the dirt mm-hmm. and people talk what about, well, what, what was doodled in the dirt? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like that, but on a, on a much larger scale. And so we could, we could kind of run around with that thought and say, well, it could be this, it could be that it could be, you know, a, a lot of things, but I do think it's interesting that, that John, this was revealed to John, and that and that God said no. It's like, well, why? What what was it that? And I, I think that whatever it was, of course, God knows that He always gives us the information, reveals to us what it is that we need when we need it. Right. And 
And why John got to see it and hear it, I don't know. But I think we it's safe to assume that that God said in the grand scheme of what I want to accomplish, it would not be beneficial for you to know this now, mm-hmm. right? It, to have it revealed to you now, to have and and I think he kind of ties into that that same thought process when he starts talking about later when he starts talking about the mystery and you know and what is announced to his servants, the prophets, right? What the prophets shared and the things that were revealed to them. But it's just another one of those pictures of, of God being in control, God sharing what we need to know when we need to know it, his sovereignty, his, his, um, and again, his grace, his mercy. We don't know why this is being kept from us now, but we can believe that it is for the betterment of what it is that God wants to accomplish. Yeah, and I think in this interlude here, I think what I think what he's saying here is, I want you to. I, I use this term sometimes. I want you to fasten your spiritual seatbelts. In other words, I want you to get ready and understand that what you've already seen has been bad. What you've already seen has been, in some cases, horrific. But what you're about to see is going to be worse. What you're about to see is going to be is going to be uh, is going to be something like you've never seen before, and I believe I don't know what the thunder sound are saying, but I probably this is kind of my guess. Probably what's about to happen from eleven on up to the time of Christ is the revealing of this. Is is and and John will see it, but at this point, for whatever reason, the Spirit of God. Uh, God does not want all of this information at this point. Like you said, um, I, we want people to get what they need to get when they need to get it. Uh, sometimes the worst thing you can do for someone is tell them information before they need to have it. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it can cause it can cause us to be anxious. It can cause us to worry. It can cause us. And that's the whole thing that, that I believe is important about uh, our relationship with God. It is based on, and this is, I think, one of the most important qualities, I guess is, is the right word for it, that we can have in any kind of relationship, but especially our relationship with God. And that's the quality of trust, that God, I'm going to trust you. John's about to write it down for everybody to see in here. And God says, no, no, no. I need them to trust me. It's it's through this process. It's kind of like, you know, years ago, I thought, you know, I, I, I like, you know how people talk about having vision from God oh, and God sure. gives you a vision. I'm going to tell you this. If, if God would have showed me what I was going to do 40 years ago, I, maybe I'd have done something else. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know and, and that's the whole idea of, of hey, we're going to trust you, God, where we are. That doesn't mean that God doesn't lead. He does. Right. And that God doesn't want to. But you know, all these people with these, you know, these specific visions and God used that in the Old Testament. He would show people different things to do different things for the purpose of gl- his glory. Mm-hmm. And, but sometimes he would tell them to do things and he wouldn't tell them how it would end. Right. Because he needed them to trust him, to follow him, to say that in the that when that when you feel like giving up, John probably was incredibly confused, um, very anxious, 
and he's and and he knows his responsibility is to be uh, the messenger in a sense. <laughs> no pressure. Write, you know, to write all this down, and so he's you know he's writing down, and God says, "No, nah, now nah, take a break from that for a minute." What's about to happen? I think these next verses at least allude to it. What is about to happen? I want you to to grasp. I want you to embrace. I want you, and we'll see in a minute, I want you to digest. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to be just something that, you know, that we're, that we're laying this information from this place to that place. But I want this to be something that 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 consumes you, and not just consumes your mind, but consumes your life. Does it make sense? Yeah, I, and kind of a what it made me think of, and I, I don't know how. Of course, this is a stretch, but I think it'll make the point. So, um, I just recently did a wedding, and I've never seen this before. The couple asked. They, they wanted to do an unplugged wedding. And what that simply meant was this, is they asked all of their guests to turn their phones off and to put them away. No pictures during I'm the ceremony, it. right? It away. No pictures during the ceremony because what they wanted is they said, there's going to be pictures before, there's going to be pictures after, but in this moment, we want you to be totally present and mm. experience this time with us. Put everything else away and experience this time. And what that does is it it kind of set the frame for the entire ceremony. I kind of feel like that's what the angel was yeah. with John is, okay, let's unplug for a second because I know you're busy doing all of this and, and you're trying to record all the things that you're told to record, but I need you in this moment to be present that's because good. That's good. I'm setting up for you – what is about to come? This this is just for you. Mm-hmm. Almost like this is the foundation. This is the framework by which from here on is going to be tethered to. Um, and I do want to say one more thing, and then we can we can keep going. And that verse 5 where it says, And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea in the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven, what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay. If this is Jesus, he's not swearing by anything else. Right. Because he's Jesus. He He doesn't do that. That's a good point. (laughs) That's a good point. And and maybe also on another note, I think what he's saying here is the time of waiting is coming to an end. You know, we are always told to wait for God. And mm-hmm. and I think probably the the number one spiritual discipline you and I will ever uh endure and, and endure and go through is waiting, but it's probably the most beneficial one. Because in times of waiting, God um God works on our heart. God builds our spiritual character. God teaches us his word. You know, people that want to to get God's word in their life quickly, uh, realize that that can't happen. You may be smart. You know, a person might have a photographic memory and be able to read God's word and, and, you know, rattle it off. But that's not what he's talking about. He says the, the time of waiting, the time of delay has basically come to an end. And now everything that we've talked about 
in, from the prophet Daniel, mm-hmm. Ezekiel, uh, uh, Zechariah, you know, uh, and Matthew, Matthew 24. 24 yep. And all of this is now no longer, you know, something we think or wait for. It's beginning to happen. You know, we've seen some bad things happen, but it's about to get, we used to use the term, it, it's about to get real, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, that which is um, that that which is hoped for is now becoming something that is reality. So, did you want to move on or? So let's see. Where did we? Oh, let's go over verse seven again. Okay. So he says, "But in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants." And his prophets. Yeah, that's telling us as the seventh trumpet happens, because the seventh trumpet will bring out the seven bowls of judgment, which, you know, if God doesn't intervene in these judgments, the whole world gets destroyed. Okay, if God doesn't intervene these bowls, bowl judgments, which are going to be poured out on the earth, which are going to be horrific, you know, again, with periods of grace, with periods of God's calling people to himself in the midst of tragedy and, and, and terrible times. Uh, so he, this seven trumpet is, is significant because it's about to unleash some pretty uh, horrible things that are about to come. Yeah, he goes on to say, which will be fulfilled just as he announced to us. In other words, all of the mystery, all of the, you know, what is the mystery of the New Testament? You know, Paul talks about, mm-hmm. I speak to you of a mystery, you know, in mystery. And that is the gospel because the Old Testament didn't realize it was going to be Jesus Christ who died on the cross. And so he talked about the mystery to to the to many uh, Jews who have come to Christ, that Christ is is revealed the mystery. He is the, you know, the death, burial, and resurrection is the culmination of those mysteries that the Old Testament talked about, but now we see it come to reality. Well, the same prophetic mysteries that have been told Throughout the ages, you know, the Old Testament, Matthew 24, much of the New, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, much of the New Testament is now about to happen. He says, just as he announced uh, to his servants, the prophets. Well, I think it's important that when we talk about the word mystery, too, to, to understand that it's scriptural use of the word mystery isn't necessarily the same as our current culture use of the word mystery. Like a mystery to us is... You read a mystery novel or something you you don't know the answer to, uh, no. you know, right? Yeah. But then you study and you solve the mystery. Well, the difference yeah. is in Scripture, the only way that the mystery is solved is by revelation. Right. Right. God reveals that mystery. Right. And and so that's what we're seeing. It's, it, like yeah. you said, this same mystery that has has been since the beginning of time that the prophets talked about, that the— the the priests the kings the everybody that God spoke through into the New Testament and then as Paul wrote about the that the the gospel of Jesus Christ that there's 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 this unknown when it comes to what real grace and mercy what salvation is what love in its purest form is right? because we we tend to really muddy up those definitions because we lean on our own thinking. But we can't know this based on our own thinking. I mean, that's that's right, like right. when when uh, Paul talks about you know Jesus was 
foolishness to the world, but wisdom, right? So when when people see the cross that haven't had that revelation, it's foolishness. When we hear that stuff all the time, like people people look at, and I get it from from like a a, a surface level standpoint how somebody could look at the story of the Bible and think that is one of the craziest things that I've ever heard in my life. Why would anybody believe it? But when, but when the word of God is opened and revealed to us by the spirit of God, right? By the writer of the word, then something different happens. We begin to see who we are in this world. We begin to see our whole perspective, our starting point, our point of view changes because looking at this book from me as if I'm looking at this book as the center of my universe, it's ridiculous. But when it's revealed to me that I'm not the center of any universe, right, right. And it's revealed to me who I am, who I am, and we've talked about this numerous times, but who I am uh, in 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 regard to God, where am I in in relationship to Him, mm-hmm. and start mm-hmm. to see that picture? We can't see that picture without the revelation of Scripture in our lives. Mm-hmm. We can read the Bible all day long, front to back, but when the Spirit reveals to us what the Bible is saying and penetrates the heart, right, penetrates bone and marrow, the whole mm-hmm. you know, cutting, right. dividing, so on and so forth. That's when the mystery is is revealed to us and we then begin to see who God is. Mm. And I am a firm believer that once that takes place, like if it's not possible for us to ever have that revelation and go, eh. Like I, right. I don't think that's possible. I think that when God makes that clear to us because it's more than just revealed knowledge. It's right. it's enlightenment from the Spirit of God. And that's why we can't leave the same as we came. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't look at this and say, oh, well, that was a nice idea. No, this is life-changing, uh, God-breathed truth. When, you know, and when that happens, you know, we can't be the same. And, it's, and, and that mystery is about to be fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. For everyone. But notice what he does in the next few verses here. Uh, notice what he says. He says, I don't want you to write it down, but look what he says here. Um, He says, don't write this, this thunder. You you may understand what it means and you might have a, a, an intellectual understanding of, of what's happening, but don't write this down. He says, he says, uh, I'm going to read verse seven again, but, Mm -hmm. but that in the day of the trumpet call, that we know that there's seven trumpets uh, to be sounded by the seventh angel. We know that this is coming up. The mystery of God will be fulfilled just as he announced to his servant, the prophets. And then it kind of shifts here, but notice what happens. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again saying, now what's this voice saying? Go, this is kind of strange, okay? Go and take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me this little scroll. And he said to me, read it and study it. No, that's not what he says. No. Nope. <laughs> he says, take and eat it. And notice, notice the response or the, the re, excuse me, the results of that. 
It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, uh, my stomach was made bitter. I'm, I'm going to stop there because, um, because I believe that he's saying, I, I believe, and I'm going to give an overview of what I think this means. I think it means that, that, uh, that what you're about to see uh, is, is, is good in the sense, is sweet in the sense that God's prophecy, God's truth will be fulfilled. It's, it's kind of like, I think it's in Revelation 6, where it talks about um, the, it's one of the seals, which also talks about the, the, this, the martyred saints crying, how long, Lord, will this be until your judgment is done, until all of this happens? And so that's sweet, that God's word will be fulfilled. And, and, and so as God's word is fulfilled, that is sweet to the mouth. And the bitter part, the, the, you know, like you eat something and it tastes really good. That's the fact that God's, as we said, that's the fact that God's um, judgment, God's word, God's prophecies are coming to fruition, just like he said. But the, but the bitter part is the fact that the judge, I think, I believe this means that the judgments are going to be really, really severe. And so while this is good, you know, when you look at the overall uh, uh, next, you know, uh, 11, 12 chapters that are, that are coming up, the good part is that, there is that Jesus is coming back. He's setting up his kingdom. Uh, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But the bad part is, 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 and the hurtful and painful part is that judgment's got to take place. That's why people understand that judgment has to happen. For us as believers, judgment happened on the cross. We trusted Christ to forgive us uh, of our sin. Uh, Jesus took the wrath of God for our sins on our behalf. <clears throat> that's, that's good for us. But those who say no to Christ, those who um, are, are not uh, follow, are believers, who do not become believers of Christ, judgment is for certain. And judgment will happen. So there's a you know a sweet bitter uh, thing going on here. I do think it's interesting too that John writes down then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again. So this voice came to him that had spoken to him before, but it's not the angel. Mm -hmm. So now we have the angel um, with this representation of power. One foot on land, one foot on the water. Um, you know, there's imagery of fire. There's imagery of rainbow, you know, God's promise, right? There's imagery of of the clouds, which is often used to uh, to describe, um, like, uh, heavenly royalty, heavenly power, heavenly, you know, not of this world. And this voice tells John to go to this and take this, this book from the angel. And so we know that, again, like we established earlier, that this, this angel is sent for this specific reason, this specific purpose, this conversation that's taking place. And, and John then takes this scroll, this small scroll, um, like we said before, it, 
is certainly tied to the scroll that is discussed earlier in Revelation. And all that is represented and heard, the power of God, the authority of God, says to eat this scroll. And of course, like you said, that sounds weird, but if we've read our Bible, if we've read the Old Testament, we know that the same thing happened with Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. And then was it, was it Jeremiah? Anyway, I don't, there's a lot of weird things that the prophets are asked to do. But we're talk, they're told to, to eat of the scroll, to ingest. And I think this is more of that, more of that phenomenal storytelling that Jesus does, right? If you read, if you read the, the, the Gospels, he is a master storyteller to make his point. And there's something poetic about this type of writing. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that it didn't really happen. Like, right. I'm not saying right. that. What I'm saying is that God would tell his prophets to do some of these things that were, were crazy mm-hmm. because it presented this picture and this experience that he wanted people to have to, to, to make his point. Right. Um, when we read, um, uh, let's see, Hosea, Hosea's the prophet Hosea. Oh my goodness. His story is, is horrible mm-hmm. as far as the sure. things that, that God tells him to do, because what is so vitally important is for this message to come from the prophet, uh, Hosea to say, you know, my, my people are, are an adulterous mm-hmm. bride and I'm going to bring them back to me. I'm going to buy them back. I'm going to redeem them. But the things that he went through were, were pretty horrible. Same, I mean, same with, with all the other prophets. They had to do these things that were very uncomfortable. That, But the message of what God is sending is, is so vitally important that he is going to communicate it in a masterful way. And so we see the same thing here with John, who was also a prophet, right, in the same line as, you know, he was the, um, like John the Baptist was the Elijah right of Christ right so so when god speaks through his prophets he's giving these these pictures these uh yeah. examples uh, that people can connect with and so he literally tells john here to eat this scroll the scroll that is like you said the deed that to the earth. Right. That Jesus. Yeah, and I'm not, back. I'm not so sure that I mean I don't think he's eating a real book. Like he's he's biting and eating and chewing a book. The paper. <laughs> yeah. No. But I do believe that the, the picture here, and we we use it when we talk to people about uh, growing in the relationship with Christ, you know, feed on the word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to to uh, the, the word of God is the meat that we that we eat and ingest so that we can grow in our faith. And I think what he's saying here, I want you to consume this scroll, if you please. I want it to be a part of who you are. I don't want it to be something that I'm just reading about, that you're looking at, that you just know about. I want this to be, uh, I want you, I want this scroll to just be a part of who you are. And, uh, and, and, you know, some of it's going to be sweet. So there's good parts, but then some of it's going to be hard. You know, it's going to cause bitterness in your stomach, it's, if, if you please. I think that 
I think that we can agree that the Bible on its own without the revelation of the Holy Spirit provides neither uh, uh, sweetness or bitterness. Oh, right, right. Right, it's just mm-hmm. a book. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening here with John is, uh, and I, I'm just kind of echoing the same thing you're saying, is that is that God's making it real to him. Yeah, yeah. In the same way that he'll make it real to us. And and we have a responsibility because he goes on, if if we can just read verse 11, the last, last sure, verse of this chapter says, And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. So we're tying that to the, the taking in of the scroll. So there's a purpose for the taking in of the scroll, not just specifically for John in that moment but for the prophesying that is going to take place, mm-hmm. the remainder of this letter, there's sweet and there's bitter. Mm-hmm. And it has to be real to him for him to be able to share this with other people and for the mm-hmm. Spirit to work through this writing and make it real to us today. Mm-hmm. And so kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier about the, the whole revelation thing is that, you know, when, when God reveals through his word and spirit who we are, who he wants us to be, it's chock full of sweet and bitter. Mm-hmm. Because if, if, I have, if I am a sinner saved by grace, Paul called himself chief sinner, right? Like if I'm, if I'm somebody who has sinned and I know I've sinned, and now I have an idea of the severity of my sin. There has to be a bitterness because I am now understanding who I really am. But the sweet of the conversation is that in spite of all of that, God chose to save me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We can't, without the revelation, experience that. And and I think you'll also agree with me when I say, you know, we in general as believers have really failed in prophesying. And when you see prophesying, it's really, it's another term for preaching. It's right. not fortune telling. It's not. Right, right. It's okay. forth uh, telling. Right. Yeah. Telling, yeah. telling what it is that God has, right. that God has given us that We try to stick to the sweetness and avoid the bitter, but yeah. without the bitter, you can't have the sweetness. Yeah. Like yeah. we can't, we can't know Christ mm-hmm. to his to his fullest mm-hmm. until we until we're shown ourselves mm-hmm. who we are to our fullest, which right. is not and it, good. it's <laughs> the old thing, you know. Do I preach the love of God? Uh, and not the wrath of God. You can't. Right. They, they, they're, the wrath of God is, is real. The wrath of God is, it has to happen, or there is no love of God. That does make sense. Right. You can't have both. You can't have one without the other. You, well, they, well without the wrath of God, without the judgment, you cheapen the love. Yeah, yeah. And grace. There is, I mean, there is, there is no grace. Right. Why would I need grace if I'm not a sinner? Or mercy. Or, or mercy, <laughs> you know. And and so, you know, I, I, I think what we're have what we see here is a setup, if you please. He's setting us up, not in a bad way, but setting us up 
for what's to come. And, and of course, chapter 11, we're going to get into the two witnesses and, and uh, some, uh, some, some pretty cool things about what's coming up. But, but again, there's this interlude between chap- the sixth and seventh trumpet. Uh, you know, the sixth and seventh seal, there's that interlude. Uh, even uh, we know that's true with the 70 weeks of Daniel. The 70 weeks of Daniel are, are, are the time all the way up from the, from the temple all the way up to, you know, Christ. And then we hit the age of grace, which is the 69th week, right after the 69th week uh, of Daniel. Is, is what we're in now. We're in that interlude period, time of the Gentiles. Uh, and then when we hit the tribulation, it goes back to that 70th week of Daniel. So there's always, it seems like between the 69 and 70 or between the 6th and 7th, there's this intermission, if you mm-hmm. please, for God to maybe explain some things or, or show us some things or catch us up. And that's what's hard about the book of Revelation, because it doesn't necessarily all go in chronological order. Right. And people are reading it and say, well, how did how can there be three and a half years? And and some of this is happening simultaneously, you know, and and so and so so as we read the book of Revelation, well, that's why I use charts when I preach a lot. Because charts sometimes help people see what's going on. But in the seven-year period, uh, and we're about to really look at more of the last part of the three and a half, the time of Jacob's trouble, if you please, the abomination of desolation. We're we're about to see the terrible things happen, um, and, and and hopefully it helps us understand what's going to happen. And then you get to chapters twenty and twenty one and twenty two, where some uh, wonderful and, mar- and and marvelous things are going to take place. But this has been an interesting chapter. Uh, it segues into chapter 11, which we'll cover next time. And things get real crazy with that. Yeah. We start talking yeah. about the two witnesses. And- two witnesses and, and some other things that are happening. It's a great chapter. Uh, we, we talk about the seventh trumpet again, but we really don't see seventh trumpet judgments until chapter 15. So then we'll see those again. So if we were, gonna, if we were going to identify a takeaway... Yeah, I'm st- I, I think that we get to that 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 last verse where, or those last couple of verses where, where John takes in the scroll, the word of God, and God says, "So now you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations. You're going to go out and you're going to preach what it is that I'm mm-hmm. telling you, and that." That's the same message for us today as believers, is that we are to... That message is not only do we understand, don't only read the Word of God, but we we actually eat it, if you please. Mm-hmm. We allow it to consume who we are, and when we allow God's Word to envelop us, to consume who we are, it changes what we do. It changes our... our uh, it doesn't change the message, but it makes the message more... Uh, palatable to us and more powerful to us, and we're able to um, share it with others, not because we're supposed to, not because it's the thing to do, but because it's it's changed us from the inside about inside out. So. Sounds good. So I think we can go ahead and wrap this up. I think so. If you like, I'll go ahead and pray, and okay. we'll finish up the episode. Okay. Heavenly Father and uh, mighty God, we thank you again for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. 
Um, God, we, we are just so grateful that you have chosen not by our merit, but because of who you are to share your word with us, to open our eyes to who we are, to open our eyes to who you are, and for guiding us to you, God. Thank you for not leaving us alone to try to figure out life, to try to save ourselves. Um, God, we, we know full well because of the revelation of your word and your spirit in our lives that you did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And we thank you so much for that, God. We ask that anyone who is, is uh, watching this and listening to it, that, that, that they keep their heart and mind and ears open to what it is that you want to reveal to them, God, that you draw them closer to you, that you make clear to them uh, the direction that you would have them take. But more importantly, God, that, that you would give them the revelation necessary to love you more, God. We ask that you provide us with that faith, with that love, um, so that we can love you even more today than we did yesterday. And we thank you so much for, for everything that you've done in our lives, and, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.